0: And others, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Boster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that
1: point.
0: Right, happy Wednesday, everyone. This is your host, Robert B. Foster, with episode number 70 of Shut Up and Grind. And like I always do, I forget to pull pull the live feed up before I start. So let me do that right quick so I can keep up with the questions as they come in. There we go. One day I'll get the hang of it and I'll do it beforehand. But for now, you guys have something to talk about. All right. So we're going to talk about the grind gear before we dive in. You know, we got the hoodies. We got the long sleeve. We got the short sleeve. We have tank tops. We have face masks. We have all that good stuff. And that just helps the show grow. Trust me, I'm not trying to get rich off of T-shirt sales. It's just to support the show so we can get a wider reach. Two more countries have been added to my, uh, my audience, Albania and Germany. So we're up to 16 different countries now where people tune into this show. It's absolutely amazing. So for those of you who have fear of public speaking, I have a group on here on Facebook. Actually, I know it's on YouTube too, but it's on Facebook. Speak about yourself out loud. That's where I help you take the stories that are hiding within you and turn them into powerful things that you can use for a whole variety of things. If you just want to become a better communicator, a better connector, doesn't matter what it is you want to, why you want to get better at speaking, I can help you get better at speaking. And you can get that here at robertsbeefoster.com slash thank-you-page. It's completely free. This brings you right to the download page too. So no upsells, downsells, no no blindsiding stuff there. I couldn't think of a better adjective, so we went with blindsided stuff. All right, so you guys know we keep this show motivational. We keep it educational, entertaining, and transformational. And so today we're sticking with the mental health theme because, as we all know, this pandemic has been wreaking havoc on people. And you know, myself included, I had to do some pivoting in there. And you know, that's how this podcast was born because the pandemic shut my gym down. And so rather than wallowing in misery, I decided to uh, motivate the masses and help help keep people focused on the things that really matter. But how? That's what people ask me, Rob, how are you always in a good mood? How are how you always stay focused? Like, how do you keep with your fitness, you know, while other pe- people are gaining the quarantine, 10, 15, and 20? And it has nothing to do with, oh, well, he owns a gym because I'm human. I'm just as human as the rest of you. I have emotions just like the rest of you. And it takes management to get it done. So to help me out with the conversation, I found another woman who I'm sorry, she herself has gone through personal struggles. So she knows firsthand what it feels like to struggle with a mental illness after experiencing her own depression due to challenging life events of her own. She recently concluded her 19 year pharmaceutical career and she has emerged with a strong desire to positively impact the mental health landscape. So she's a passionate mental health advocate, a TED speaker, and a published author of a memoir entitled Breaking Into My Life. After years of playing a role of child caregiver, Michelle embarked on her own healing journey of self-discovery. And like we're going to focus on that part there, healing journey of self-discovery. But her memoir offers a rare glimpse into a young girl's experience living with and loving her bipolar mother. So welcome, Michelle Dickinson, to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Robert. I'm glad to be here.
0: My pleasure. So that was the longest intro I've ever read, because <laughs> you, usually I take the ones that people give me and I rewrite it into <laughs> my. And I, I call I robicize it,
3: uh-huh. but
0: uh, but you know, everything that you had to say, it, like it's, it was all serious, so I figured i would just read it the way it was given. So yeah. good, good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. So whereabouts are you from? I am
2: in central New Jersey. Yeah. Central New Jersey. Jersey yeah. gal. Love Jersey.
0: it. Yeah. Love it. Keep, it, keep it northeast, baby. Keep it northeast. <laughs> All right. So question I ask every guest first. Who is Michelle?
2: Wow. Well, you did a good job of introducing me. So I can just Thank sort you. of build on that. Um, I am a passionate mental health change maker. I believe that I'm a catalyst for change. And and I am that way because of the experiences that I had in my life, um, growing up with a mother who had bipolar disorder, um, dealing with my own depression due to a divorce. And then working in, in the pharma industry, I had the opportunity to build an employee resource group for mental health. Okay. And, you know, I guess like for me it was all about what do I now do with all this knowledge? How do I turn my mess into my message? And that's how I've become a mental health advocate.
0: Nice. And how did we how did we get connected? I, I forgot to ask you this while we were in the green room.
2: I don't know. I want to say maybe podcastguest.com I'm Oh, Okay, sure. yep.
0: That's yep, that's what it was. That's yep. what it was. Okay, good stuff. All right, mm-hmm. so what did you want want to be when you grew up?
2: You know, that's an interesting question. Um, Probably a teacher, probably somebody who was doing work with children, actually. But um, I'm sorry, you're going to hear noise because I have a puppy. And and the puppy has decided (laughs) it's time to play with the toy. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Um, So, uh, so yeah, so probably a teacher, I would say, um, doing some work with kids. I don't have any children of my own, but I've always gravitated to wanting to help kids and youth. Yeah. um and teach and be a teacher in general teacher to adults and to kids so probably a teaching profession um yeah okay
0: are you originally from new jersey
2: i am you know and after my divorce i moved back to my hometown so okay. i am living in my hometown where i grew up so oh, that's yeah that's
0: awesome yeah Perfect. and what so what was it like gro- growing up you said <laughs> your mom your mom had bipolar disorder
2: yeah, my mom um, had bipolar disorder for my, for my entire life. Like I have my earliest memories of her, probably four or five, when she started to act differently. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know bipolar disorder, it typically has the, the rapid cycling of mania and depression. And she, I used to say it was like being on a roller coaster. You just had to sort of hang on for the ride. You never knew, um, you know, what version you were going to get, how she was going to h- interact with you. Uh, So it was hard, you know, but it was my normal. So, you know, um, I did what I needed to do. I learned to be very resourceful and resilient. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Sorry, I'm just jotting down stuff that I want to expand on later. All right. So what what was it like in, in school for you?
2: Yeah, in school for me, it was about keeping the secret, keeping the family secret, you know, mental illness has a stigma nowadays, but it also had an even more, uh, you know, a bigger stigma back then. And so I kept it a secret. And, you know, I was always worried about my mom because I played the role of a child caregiver, always looking after her, making sure she was okay. Um, There were times in my childhood when she was too fragile to be left alone but not sick enough to be hospitalized. So my father would say, stay home with her, be with her. And I would do that, but then when I would go back to school, I'd find myself very preoccupied and very much worrying about her.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and then how, how how did that weigh on you during that time?
2: It was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, I think that when you think about what children need, children truly do need um, stability and consistency. And I didn't have either of those, so I had to find ways to find that consistency, get the love and the attention from whether it be an aunt or a grandmother or um, a mother of, of a girlfriend. I would. I, I was very resourceful in getting support, the support that I needed. Um, yeah. You know you don't realize it until you look back and you go wow like you really did find the nourishment that you needed even though your mother couldn't give it to you
0: yeah see and that's why i i asked these these questions because the more guests that i have on this show and just going into people's backstories versus what they're doing now usually what they're doing now is something that they kind of wanted to do back then you know so like like you're saying you wanted to to be a teacher work with kids, work with youth, and that's what you're doing now, (laughs) you know, so.
2: You know, and there's an even cooler um, parallel to the fact that when I went on a youth retreat, I found myself giving a talk to like 150 kids about being nice to one another because you never know what they're dealing with at home. And that was sort of like my first stage. And fast forward, and I'm giving a TED talk, telling people, you know, it's okay to be who you are you know you are perfect just the way you are and my mother as ill as she was she was perfect just the way she was so that when I when I drew that parallel actually a couple of weeks ago I was amazed at how I think the seed was planted when I spoke in front of that youth group to eventually in my 40s do my TED talk
0: yeah yeah it's, yeah. It, it's amazing what how it all sticks with you because when I'm working with people and I'm helping them, you know, sort through their, their past. Cause say someone's like, you know, I want to start a a women's empowerment group. All right. What do you want to talk about? Well, I I don't know. What do you, what do you think? It's like, what, like, why do you want to talk about you you just start talking it out. And again, I have my note, I'm writing stuff down. I'm like, boom, the answer is right there. It's like, it's right on the tip of your tongue. And I keep like, that's why it says up above us, your true power lies in your story. Like most people's path to whatever it is they're heading to the answer is already there, you know. They just ha- they just have to recognize that it's there.
2: Yeah, and and be courageous enough to to talk about their story. You know, there's there can be a lot of vulnerability and embarrassment. You know, so it takes something. But honestly, when you do, it's liberating because other people come to you and say, "Oh my gosh, I am not alone. Someone else feels like me." You know, so it's it's powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And people, I saw something earlier in one of my emails from uh, Russell Brunson from Click ClickFunnels, where he and his wife they were struggling, you know, to to get pregnant. They they wanted to have a child, and they were struggling with it. And then someone else had shared a story of what they went through, and it helped them. You know, and as you know, mm-hmm. Russell's yes. filthy rich. I know. <laughs> you know, you know, but it's like every everybody struggles, and you never know where that moment of clarity is going to come from. Right, like you just never know. But you just got to be open minded enough to be. I don't want to say to be looking for, but just to be aware when when they're out there. And for me, I, I just try to tell people: you just come to grips with whatever it is you did or whatever it is you, you've experienced, and then take those experiences to change someone else's life. Right. Instead of instead of letting it eat, eating you inside and harming your own life, you know, because you're harboring resentment or you're harboring anger or grief, you know, whatever the emotion is. But just once you come to grips with it and be like, you know what, this, like we said earlier, this made me who I am. Yeah. So let me take this step into the greatness, you know, unlock your true power. And then that's when everything for you is just going to change.
2: Yeah, it's true. I agree with that. Yes.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. So post post high school. Yeah. what, what, What were your next steps from there?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I wanted to go away to college. You know, most kids, I think, you know, from my generation were were like, which school are you going to go to? And I wanted to go away to college. And my, um, my mother was too ill. My father really wanted me to be at home. So I stayed at home. I got a job. um, And I just started working. I didn't go, I didn't go away to college. I didn't get an education at that point and um, cared for her. And then eventually, I got myself a really, a really good job. Um, I worked at IBM. My very first career started, my, my first job and my career started at IBM. And eventually, I landed in the pharmaceutical industry. And that's when I started to put myself into school. Uh, get, I got my associates, my bachelor's, and my master's degree while working full time because I was hungry for it and I wanted it. And and just the timing didn't work as, as the way you know traditional education goes right after high school. And I'm grateful for it because um, it was a very different learning experience for me. Uh, and then also a personal victory to be able to accomplish that, you know?
0: Yes, and the key, <laughs> the key sentence there, you were hungry for it and you wanted it. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. like, it sounds so simple, but even on the fitness end, people will come to me, but be like, Rob, like, I, I, keep, I keep on this roller coaster. I'm like, because you, you're not committed to the process. Yeah. Like if you, if you commit to the process you will get results. Yeah. And it's the same thing in everyday life. If 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 you have to work full time and go to school, you can figure it out if you're mm-hmm. hungry for it and you want it and you're living proof of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, the sense of accomplishment, no one can take your education from you as you know. No one can take your victories from you. So when you hustle and you make it happen, um it's it's incredibly fulfilling. Like so fulfilling you know i mean i think you know one of the things i'll never forget is a boss that i had who said to me you know you're never going to get anywhere you don't have an education and uh and she was really like she was she wasn't very nice and i remember this and i was like really and like it's funny because that ignited something in me to go oh really you think that that's what's going to happen no 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 <laughs> and then that motivated me to be like you know what like you are going to be okay. You are going to get that education, um, and then I went for it.
0: Yes, that that's amazing. And 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 I just want to clarify: there's many different ways to get educated because I don't have a college degree. Yes. Right, I don't have one, but I traveled the country, going to marketing seminars, going to fitness masterminds, yeah. going to, to branding branding masterminds, and now with uh, virtual, I've been taking ones on uh media exposure, Facebook ads. It's like I got so much knowledge in here that I'm mentoring people with marketing degrees. Yeah. In marketing.
2: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, so, great. You're so, right. You're right. Yeah, and yeah. and I love I love the idea that we open our kids' minds to different ways of getting educated. Right. Yes. Like and because like you said, like look at your level of success and you don't have traditional education. And honestly, I don't know that I'm using everything that I learned in college, to be honest with you. So I think it's all about our own unique vehicle to learn as long as we're learning and we're making progress.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So because there was one point where someone had asked me, you know, do you plan on going back and getting a degree? I said, for what? You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not knocking education. I mean, I have my my oldest son graduated college. My oldest daughter is in college currently, you know? So it's like, by all means do it, but just, just know if if it's not for you, there's other ways to get to where where you want to get. And so for me, it wasn't sitting in the classroom again it was like i need to go and learn from people who are crushing it cuz i had people tell tell me what what they said to you same exact thing you know like like cuz i dropped out 3 times and so after the third time you know people would just just like you you're never going to go anywhere like you're just going to be a restaurant manager i was like that's that's crap i was like yeah. that's absolute crap i if mean if you for,
2: believed it if you well, believed it that would have been your demise
0: yeah if well I was believe say for that, a minute yeah, yeah, for a minute there, I for did. Yeah, yeah, for a minute there, yeah. there I did. Yeah. And after a while, kind of like you were saying about yeah. giving a giving talk to the 150 students, yeah. same, same thing with me. I was giving staff meetings and trainings and you know coaching pe- people along and keeping everyone motivated on, on, on the line to work their best, to be their best, to work as a team. I, it's like I'm doing all, yeah. all this stuff already. You know, it's like mm-hmm. everything that I have, is already here. I said, okay. I just need to learn how to market, how to brand myself. Mm-hmm. And and I went and got formal training in public speaking. You know, so it. so it's like just the things I was lacking, I went and found it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. That's great. Yes, thank you. All right. So what what was your what was your, your job? You said you, you worked at IBM?
2: Yeah. So I started my career, um, working as a technician in IBM. I was like one of the only female techs that was like repairing PCs as as a, as a young woman. It was crazy. Um, talk about a male dominated environment. That was very much an interesting experience, but shaped me, shaped me to realize I could do anything, you know? So I did that. And then, uh, eventually I parlayed it into a secretary job at a pharma company um with no education i was blown away they gave me a shot right so they give me a yeah. shot I hustle I, I hustle i grind whatever <laughs> and, I'm, and i show up right and like then i get promoted and i start moving around and then eventually i spent 19 years in pharma so I, I was in an admin for many years and then proved myself, got my education, was able to move up and uh, eventually left the industry as a director. And I was really proud of that because That's awesome. coming from a, a, a girl who could hardly type, pulling herself up by her bootstraps to leave the industry at that level. I was very, very much grateful uh, for all of the opportunity and proud that I was able to accomplish that.
0: It's an amazing journey. Well done.
2: Thank you. All
0: right. So, so back to IBM. So, being mm-hmm. being the only female tech surrounded by men.
2: Yes. Were, were you
0: treated? Were you treated di- differently?
2: Um. You know, uh, I will be totally honest with you. I was treated very well because my father okay. worked there.
0: Ah. Okay.
2: So, right? <laughs> so it's very, It's like you know, nepotism at its best. But honestly, like I was met with such uh, support. Uh, The men that that surrounded me were like teachers to me. They wanted to see me succeed. So it was a very different environment. When I say it was hard as a female, I'm talking about going and and going to see customers to fix their computers when they're expecting uh,
0: okay. gotcha. when they're
2: expecting a man and a tool case to walk in not a, a young girl in a skirt in a tool case you know what i mean <laughs> so that, those were my obstacles i it, it from the you know from the as an employee perspective i was very much supported but definitely a different world trying to trying to show up at that point and fix a pc for an executive who's like is this girl really going to fix my computer
0: it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like when I, when I had, uh, I think this was at my old house, I was having Verizon cable installed and same thing. I opened the door. Cause I mean, th- there's even a movie called the cable guy. You know, know. That's, that's just a stereotype. You know? Just a guy. So I opened the door and it was a female. I was like, Oh, hello <laughs> you know, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she picked up on that like I wasn't expecting a female yeah. You yeah. Know? So, oh yeah so I, I know I know that stereotype def- definitely exists yep. so all right oh, so God. now so when did you when did you make this, <laughs> this shift to want to become an entrepreneur
2: oh my goodness so uh, so therein lies some serious mess turning into a message right so I was going through a divorce and I um and I was married for 16 years. I was diagnosed with depression. I was struggling to keep my my life together. It was not easy. Um, and I remember um, eventually it was a it was a Monday in May. I went to court on a Monday in May to finalize my divorce. And two days later, I was told by my company that my position was eliminated. Oh my god! So in in one week, I I lost marriage and lost a job. And it was at that point, it's like what do you do? You know, that's pretty much the lowest you can be, right? Like, yes. so I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? Am I going to get right back into another pharma company and become another cog in the wheel and, and, you know, retire into the sunset, you know, wearing the golden handcuffs or am I going to take this passion that's been ignited within me from my Ted talk, from writing my memoir? Because you got to remember, like I, I was nominated to give a Ted talk. You, you don't yeah. know this. I was nominated to give the TED Talk about my mother. And when I gave the TED Talk about my mother, that catapulted me into wanting to write my memoir. I wrote my memoir. That had me get really connected to the power of story and the power of storytelling to make a difference. So I was public speaking and really, really taking on advocacy for mental health. And I got deeply connected to it. And so it was like, you know, they say that there are two most important days of your life, the day you're born, the day you figure out why. Yeah. And at the point, <laughs> I was like, "I think I figured out at forty some odd years old, like, what is my purpose? This is my <gasps> purpose." So, I wound up um, saying to myself, "That's it. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a leap of faith. I'm gonna create my own company." And I did. And I did.
1: The emotional part of the brain is kicks in, and every worry comes to it comes to the forefront. Okay. At those moments, we need to stop. We need to stop and say, what am I feeling? What is the fact? And this is where cognitive behavioral therapy comes in. CBT is is learning time. Mm -hmm? Say that again, Robert. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a form, is a therapeutic approach that takes what we feel and what we think and how it affects our behavior. That's in the simplest terms. Okay, But it's having an understanding of why are we feeling the way we do? What's causing it? What power realistically do we have to change? And it's really interesting with the pandemic, people are like, no, I'm okay, I like working, I'm getting used to it. But the issue is that as soon as we turn on the news or the TV or we step outside and we see even children with with masks or we hear about the lives lost with COVID or the insurgents or the injustice and then the mutations of this infectious disease, that fight and flight, we are programmed. We are back in that place because it is a threat to our survival.
0: And you said you were nervous about going live. You just killed that.
1: Well because I'm in I'm in overdrive. I don't know. No. I'm not on my game because we like all my colleagues we've been dealing with this tragedy yeah. in our community and and in Colorado we've had several mass shootings but yes. you know we are people come to Colorado to enjoy nature to hike to be yeah. outside. Yeah. Colorado's beautiful. It's 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 gorgeous, you know, and but, so, what,
0: so what were your initial thoughts when, when you heard what happened?
1: You know, I go dead initially, yeah. and I, I couldn't make sense of it because I had been at the private practice with patients all day, and I came home, was cooking dinner, and turned on the news, which I, I do, and I tell people, you know, you really have to limit it, but it's also my responsibility to be aware of what's going on locally as well yeah. as nationally and then globally. Um, because it affects the people we work with. Yeah. I, I stood there and I remember looking at the screen, Boulder mass shooting, and then I was worried about my friends in Boulder and my former colleagues at Boulder Community Hospital, now known as Boulder Community Health, yep. and uh, the grocery store I had shopped in. It was not my local grocery store, but I I could not believe it. And then immediately I I wanted to know about the suspect because they would be bringing him to Boulder Community Health. And that's what happened. Um, And I was like, again, how and when is this gonna stop? Because then as most of my colleagues and I discussed, there's gonna be more of this. There's gonna be a contagion and sure enough, This was following the eight people who were shot in Atlanta. And then they had two additional incidents that were caught in time in Georgia and in Oklahoma.
2: And I'm so grateful I did because, because he's amazing. I'm still seeing him to this day. Um, Just to help me sort through all the emotions, all the things I was dealing with, because, you know, life events are going to happen, you know, and, and we need to deal with them powerfully, just like if we had a physical ailment. Why are we not, you know, we're, we're quick to go to the doctor if we think we have a cold or we've hurt our, a limb, you know. I mean, like, we're, we're quick to do that. But why do we not do that for the brain? It, it, is, it is very unfortunate. So the one thing I will tell you is my doctor is a very conservative doctor. and He could prescribe medication. And I think I actually asked him for it. I said, listen, this, this, is, this sucks. Do you have meds? Yeah. And I worked in a pharma company, so I was like, "Hey, just <laughs> give me something," you know. And he was like, "You know what, Michelle? No, he's like, you need to navigate. You need to navigate and process what's going on. I don't want to numb you out. I want you to yes. navigate it and learn from it. So you know what I did? You'll appreciate this. And being from the industry that you're in, is my cousin challenged me to train for a triathlon. Okay. And so I threw myself into the training of this triathlon. Because if my personal life was was in the shitter and my career was in the shitter, the one thing that wasn't was going to be my health and my physical yes. well-being. And I knew if I could just take care of that, it might just give me momentum in other areas of my life. And that's what I did. So I trained. I ate well. I was looking good. I was feeling good. I crushed the race. If that was a huge shot in the arm of like, holy crap, you just did a triathlon. Wow. And and that was really what helped me navigate my depression and ultimately get me out of that funk.
0: So. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question, is how did that training for that, how did you grow from, from, from that process? Because I'm sure that I was brutal. Do,
2: at, yeah, but it made me realize I can do anything. If I can do, if I can do this crazy thing that a percentage of the population in the world does, and I can do it and cross the finish line, I can do anything. And that's what, it, that's exactly what it told me and, and what I got from that.
0: And at any point in that race, did you ever seriously consider quitting?
2: No, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to crawl across the finish line if I have to. No, see, no.
0: See? And I asked that because I trained
4: scale of one to 10. Am I genuinely hungry? And if you are Genuinely hungry, then ask yourself, Well, what is the most delicious thing that I could eat right now? Sometimes kale salad is going to come to mind, or you know, a a green juice is going to come to mind, and that's going to be the most delicious thing you can eat. Other times, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, No, no, I actually really, really want a donut. Like, that sounds completely and utterly delicious. So don't go to your local gas station and get like a crappy donut that's been sitting there for a day and a half, like mm-hmm. go somewhere, get a donut that is going to be totally delicious. And it's going to nourish not only your, your hunger. Cause remember we took a step to go like, am I genuinely hungry? Yep. And so it's going to say, it's going to satiate that hunger, but then you're also going to go like that was so delicious and then guess what the next meal when you ask yourself am i genuinely hungry i wonder what i want to eat your answer is probably not going to be a donut your brain will have moved on Mm -hmm. and so give yourself that space and that freedom you know food is not punishment working out should not be punishment um Going to the spa should not be punishment. All of these things, we have an opportunity to genuinely enjoy and love and allow all of the fluctuations that it means to be human to really give us self-love, self-value, all of those things and so, Just know that you have an opportunity in every practice that you do to just bring mindfulness to the
0: equation. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, truly believe that has to do with our healing process as well? Mm -hmm. Because I've had seven surgeries and the only one that I had dealt was my first one because it was the first one. Yeah, well, the first one. So, and the first one was bad too. I, I had total, total knee reconstruction from from an injury during a track meet, and I remember the doctor was t- was telling me, "Don't put any pressure on it at all." So I was babying the hell out of it, and so I did exactly exactly what he said. I go for my first checkup. He's he's like, "You can start to put pressure on it now." And so, like like okay, I'm treading lightly, treading lightly. I said, "Okay." I put down one crutch. Started going and then I put down the other crutch. I was like, I probably could have walked days ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, because I let I let him Mm -hmm. put limits on me. Oh no. You know, so for every other surgery, I I took control of my own rehab. Yeah. You know, it's like I I took their advice. Yeah. But yeah, so I had shoulder shoulder surgery that Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't move it at all for six weeks. I'm like, I work with the body, I know that's not a good plan. Not <laughs> so, so I found my threshold. I'm like, how far can I move it before the pain kicks in? And then I just stayed below the threshold. And then just mm-hmm. each, each day, each week, it got better and better. Wow. So again, I go for my first checkup, and she's moving gently. And I'm like, keep going. I'm like, keep going, sister. I'm like keep going, and I got all the way back. She's like, "That is unreal." I say, "Cause I don't listen to you, people.
2: Yeah, I so listen to my body. Yeah, I'm not.
0: I'm not telling people to not listen to your doctor. We got to put that <laughs> disclaimer out there. Yeah. But but I'm just saying that's just me. And mm-hmm. when that first knee injury happened, the the ER doctor actually told me I would never run or jump again. And oh. and and I told him, I'm like, "Your degree is in medicine, and I respect that." I was like, but you can't tell me what I can come back from. Right. You know what I mean? Like your, your PhD does not cover my, my human will to get through this.
2: And you're the expert in being you.
0: Yes, exactly. So I attacked it. Like they said, I was going to be in rehab for 18 months. I got out four
2: months. Oh
0: my God. That's amazing.
2: Amazing.
0: That happened in 2009. I started competing in track again in 2016. So like it it, it did take some some mental some mental wrangling to actually yeah, yeah. compete again. But um wow. in the in the high jump in the event where it happened, I, I've been undefeated since 2016. Wow. Yep. So, um, so had I listened to him that, that day, my yep. wings my wings would have been clipped right there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. Good for you. Good for you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so back to you. All right, so so now you made that that shift
2: because uh-huh. you, know, you
0: had that passion for for helping with people. So step me through the process of getting it started.
2: Well, it was a very interesting process. You know, um, I have had never been an entrepreneur before, so you know, uh, coming out of the corporate world, it, it's like an entirely different animal to become oh, yeah. an entrepreneur because in the corporate setting, it's pretty structured, pretty regimented. So. I had to figure it out. And I remember um, just coming from a place of if I could remove suffering and create more compassion and empathy in the workplace, then I can shift entire groups of people and entire cultures instead of one person at a time. So I was deeply connected to that from the get-go. I thought, I want to leave a mark on this world. I want there to be more understanding for people with mental illness, invisible disability.
4: When you attempt to lose weight, um, it is hard. Number one, your language is wrong because what happens when you lose things, you immediately go and try to find it. So if you, and some people even say release is the bad word because what happens then you just re- Lease it. It's like you're going and renting the same apartment again. You're saying, Well, I'll just take that back. So, how do you transmute it? How do you transform it? How do you give it back to the earth, whatever it is? But we have to understand in our prefrontal cortex brain, that part of our brain that is thinking for us on a conscious level we gotta overcome that evolutionary instinct that says food is safety, food means survival, you may not eat for another week, you better eat now and if you aren't eating for another week, you better be sedentary. You know, everybody talks about how much they hate exercise. Mm -hmm. That's a universal human trait because we are not built to exercise. It would have been absurd for our ancestors to be like, you know what I'm going to do before I like Bust ice <laughs> off of my boats all day so that I can go fishing to feed my family, or before I go and tend to three acres of my wheat fields, it would have been absurd for them to be like, you know what, I'm going to do? I'm just going to get in a quick jog. We're not built to exercise, we were not. And, you know, people talk about a runner's high (laughs) and I laugh. I'm like, that's not exactly a runner's high. That's all of your endorphins kicking in that are kind of going like, we're going to just give you some painkilling because you are actually killing yourself right now. Why are you still running? And so we have to come into that mindset that we are actually not only up against a system that's built against us but we're up against our own human evolution and so we have a choice right now how do our choices impact our offspring 200 years from now, 100 years from now, do you still want your great, great, great grandkids on 14 medicines because they can't get control of their diabetes because they're constantly just like, I will hoard donuts. Or do you (laughs) want to be a part of a huge fundamental shift in human um, growth and understanding that we are no longer our ancestors. And we need to understand that we have choices in what we eat. We have choices in how we exercise. And we have choices in how we vote and choose our leaders? And how do we vote with our forks? How do we vote with where we put our dollars? All of those things so that we can honestly, you know, I started a podcast um, a year ago. You and I are almost synced up as far as our anniversaries go. Um, And when I started the show, it was like, what am I doing? What am I talking to people about? And I was like, if I can't have conversations with people, that cast a vision for what I want this world to be, which is not a world that is completely toxic and polluted and filled with people who are fat, sick, and unhappy and struggling with depression and mental illness. And just, I didn't want to live in a blah world. The world is too cool to be blah. And the world is increasingly more boring the more people just sit back and go, eh, you know, I just i just coast i'll just coast <laughs> through this get out there like live life to the fullest because there's only one life that you get and so and really if you want to put this into perspective let's say that the average person lives to 80 years old right so take 80 on a calculator, and then subtract your current age. Okay, so that's the number of years that you've got left to live, right? Now multiply that by 365, that's the number of days that you have left to live. And you start looking at that, and you're like, I have infinite numbers of days, and now all of a sudden you're like, No, I got like 10,000 days left on this earth. What am I going to do with them? You know, how am I going to leave this world a better place? And you absolutely can when. You know, you think about shut up and grind. It's like, stop all this mental noise and all these voices that tell you that you're not good enough and that you failed at this in the past and that you know you're not worthy and that you're you're already too fat, you're already too far gone, you're already too poor, you're already too female, you're already too gay, you're already too whatever. I don't care what it is that's telling you you're not good enough, go out there and cast a vision for the world that you want to live in and then surround yourself with other super positive people that also want to see these changes. And you know, the world is changing rapidly and there's a lot of different voices out there that you can listen to. I cannot encourage you enough. Listen to the positive voices. Listen to the positive people. Listen to the people that are bringing hope and bringing love. Because I truly believe the more that we all focus on just bringing love, bringing joy, bringing a presence and awareness to our every day life. If I am present and aware that I am a human living this human experience in my own body and so is that person over there, it becomes increasingly hard for me to hate that person or to devalue that person or to dehumanize that person. It becomes increasingly more important that crap we're all we're all like doing this thing called life together like how can we clean up our neighborhoods how can we clean up our environment how can we ensure that that you know young moms working three jobs trying to make ends meet some their kids have somewhere to go after school like we can make simple small impacts that have a ripple effect
0: that's going to change the world yes absolutely and you know, about teaching people how how to have financial freedom. Like especially now with phones, you know, you have worldwide access. You know, like right now you're a nauseous, we'll say. You know, so it's like I was good at what I did. I made sure I told everybody I was good at w- what I did. And I just expected everyone else to have my my standard, everyone to have my tolerance. And I, that's just what would I expect because that's what I know.
2: Yeah,
0: and it wasn't until 2007 I was one of 20, 25 out of 2,500 employees to get selected to go through a course in True, True Colors, which is now DISC. And so I became, yes. yep, so I became a, a certified f- uh, facilitator in in True Colors, mm-hmm. and then just learning the different personality types. And I was mm-hmm. like. It's like I, you always know people are different, yeah. but I didn't didn't know that detail. And then once I started applying those principles, yeah. I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is spot on. Yeah. Like it really is. So, you know, yeah. there's the leaders, the supporters, yeah. the thinkers and the feelers. Yeah. And, you know, so for someone like me, who's pretty over, over the top ish, you know, mm-hmm. with my with my personality and for someone who's more of a feeler. Uh, I was like, that's why I keep making people cry. <laughs> <You know>? oh. <laughs> it's like, that's why. <laughs> like, I can't come at them like that. And, like, that's yeah. why this person asked me 10,000 questions before they do the job because they're a thinker, yeah. you know? And then leaders want to know the whole process, yes. you know? And the supporters are like, what needs to be done? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so what, and what I think once people understand that, it's like mm-hmm. just because – you're a leader and you need the process. That doesn't mean that the feeler does. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, like you just can't push your personality on everyone yeah. else. And yeah. then that leads to effective connection.
2: Yes, and then I remember from DISC, you, you learned how to engage. They gave you tips on yes. how to engage with people that were not like you. Yep. So you can bridge that, you know, bridge that gap. That's yes. amazing, that's awesome.
0: Yes, one of my personal training clients, he, he's a thinker. So
4: galloping through fields of daffodils. But you can take a moment to understand that the circumstances of the world are not the
2: circumstances
4: within.
2: Yes, it's like, it's not personal. The person's not being annoying. That's just their style. That's them, exactly. And then you remove all of that stuff, that noise that you make up about it. And it's like, no, that's just who they are, right? Yes. Like, there's nothing bad or good or anything about it. It is what it is.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yes, it's probably. like that person, like like th- this person thrives under this condition. Yeah. And, and, and so like, as the leader, you have to provide that condition instead of the other way around. Right. you know because in and in, in those situations it's really good like you you mentioned with empathy mm-hmm. and you know I-
4: destiny at that yeah. point you know it's it's if you can say to yourself the the world's cray and I see that and I know that Going to church keeps me centered. I know that taking an hour away from my kids every week keeps me centered. Whatever it is that allows you to control your breath and even out your stress response so that nothing is stressful anymore. You just allow the stress to pass on through you then you're really in control of your own life and until you control your stress response you're not going to be able to like conquer the business world or conquer this that and the other you're you're going to burn out so yeah. learn to control your emotional <laughs> responses
0: yes and i am a firm believer in the law of attraction and like, whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to get. You focus on problems, you're going to find every problem out there. You focus on racism, you're going to see every racist act out there. You know what I mean? So like, no matter what it is, but if you focus on opportunities, you're going to start seeing opportunities. If you focus on networking and meeting the right people, that's where everything in your world is going to expand. Because people, regardless of what people see on the news, there is far more good in the world than there is bad. It's just right. the, the bad makes the money. That's well, the problem.
4: And there's a reason that it's news. There's a reason that it's news is because it happens so infrequently that it is worth talking about. It is yes. worth saying like, oh, that that shouldn't have happened. And, you know, I'm sure some people will disagree with me. And they're like, but have you seen all the mass shootings? Have you seen the the cop killings? Have you seen the, this? Have you seen the, that? Nonetheless, as you just said, there are,
2: you know, you vulnerable. But the reaction was incredible, right? Like storytelling has a way of people being able to see little threads of themselves and other people's story and feel connected to. And people just started to come up to me afterward and be like, Oh my gosh, like I could relate to that. My mom, I bet you she was diag she was bipolar but never diagnosed, or I live with bipolar disorder. Um, thank you for helping me understand how I show up and to the ones I love. So all of that just like gave me this, this like momentum to want to write my memoir. So I sat down and for four years I wrote my memoir. And it was definitely something um, that was painful because I had to live through a lot of um, the experiences. Because in order for me to have a successful memoir, I wanted people to really get mental illness. I wanted to humanize the experience. So I really needed to take them with me on a journey from my childhood to my adolescent years to to my adult years and really get them to understand what it's like. So it meant I had to relive stuff over and over. Um, But I'm really proud of it because when people do read the book, they say, wow, I read it in one sitting or two sittings and wow, I felt like I was in the room with you. So I put a lot of energy into really wanting to paint a picture of what that experience was like looking at the the new treatments that
4: are coming out and they're the most profitable drugs of all time and the most profitable injections of all time and it's like wait wait a minute wait like let's take a step back like there should not be a bounty on human suffering there should not be a price tag associated with human suffering and so again my advice to everyone is recognize this is all there is this simple life of waking up every morning and doing your best and going to bed every evening this is all life is this is it So how do we find more peace and more joy on the inside? Because the greater the peace and joy that we craft on the inside of ourselves, the greater the peace and joy that we exude to the world. And it may seem insignificant, but I firmly believe that one by one by one, we change the world in this way.
0: I I agree. And and again, I think it goes back to Indoctrination as children, you know, like I spoke at several career career days back when things were normal and I'm talking with middle school kids and they understand the life cycle already. They're like you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you work forever, you raise your family, you retire and then you die
4: oh well Sorry. that that's a that's the male perspective you know the, the female perspective is you go to high school you go to college you find the husband you get married you <laughs> bear the children you raise the yes and so yeah but we're all given this story yeah um and who said it was true who said that that was the way that life was supposed to go and why do we oppose people so strongly who decide to do something other than that. That's what gets me, you know, like, why, why do I care if somebody never gets married? Why do I care if somebody decides not to have children? You know, as long as people are good citizens, they're bringing light into the world. They're staying away from all the bad muck and not harming other people. Live and let live, man. Just yep. let people be because when you're concerned about what everybody else is doing in the world, guess what? That's just that's all this talking, it's all this yeah. jibber jabbering in your head. And when all this is happening, you can't accomplish anything, you're exactly. giving away your power.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I'm glad you said that because I say that all the time. You know, like it says, right up above us, your true power lies in your story. And so like I tell people when when you hold in things that you're going through it's like you're you're actually taking away you know your your gift cuz that's yeah. what what it is it's a gift it's like we're both on here now sharing our experiences and that's going to help benefit other people I'm sure everyone who comes on your show they're sharing their experiences yeah. and but I think a lot of it, too, uh, dealing with stress and anxiety is because people, for whatever reason, they go through things and they don't want to just own it. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever yeah, it, you're going through, just own it.
4: Right. Because guess what? It's not a unique human experience. We exactly. all have this. You know, it's like when you get down to it, I teach. Um, I teach some emotional work and helping people to release negative emotions. And when you get down to it, we are all angry frustrated confused irritated like Mm -hmm. all of these emotions are universal we all feel them so how do we minimize those in our lives and maximize the good because that I think is the hardest work of all you know why on earth we are designed to focus on well I get it, we're designed to see the negative in the world because it helps us to survive. It protects yes, us, yep. it protects us, you know? I mean, it it's one of those things you see something that is different or off, the, the instinct is to be nervous because you're like, oh, I, I don't know, does that thing kill me? I don't know, can I eat that fruit? I don't know. And so we, again, are evolutionarily designed to to focus on the negative. So stop it, just stop the cycle, stop perpetuating it and just be joyful.
0: Yes. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you know, focus on that positive outcome. Cause like people will ask me about something. What if it doesn't work? I'm like, what if it does? Right. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) What if it does work and your life changes?
4: Yeah. Stop focusing on the negative. What's the worst thing that can happen if this doesn't work? What's the best thing that can happen if it does? You know, what is the best thing that can happen if it does? Um, so yeah, just put the brakes on it and just shift gears, just shift and just say, you know what, I'm, I I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to try something different. I'm going to do, I'm going to try something different.
0: Yeah. So like even, in. My, my show so when i started this one i was watching some other ones just to see how it was delivered and um you know so i kind of did it that way with like the talking points and all, all that stuff and then i just found the talking points that people w- were submitting to me was kind of boring <laughs> and i was like i was like i i want to just have just a raw organic conversation with the people who come on the show that's why i don't meet with people beforehand You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'll do some, I always ask for the website. I say that way, because I can pick and choose what I want to focus on, you know, to to what I think, you know, the audience will will get the most out of. Mm -hmm. And just have an organic conversation, you know, kind of like this one here. It's just, it's much more authentic. And I feel it's much more engaging. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, then like, absolutely. where did you go to college? And what was your favorite part about college? And,
4: you right. know. Well, and I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the greatest things about podcasting and, and doing videos such as these is when is any other time that you and I would have met or decided to have yeah. an hour long conversation? You know?
0: <laughs> <True>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. See, and, and I find doing it this way too, is the converse, is people tend to share things that they weren't prepared to share. You know which which is good because it gets back to that raw or organic organic like there was a woman I had on uh, in February yeah. she start she started a, uh, started a business helping people get their final documents in order uh, mm-hmm. ahead of passing away because her sister sure. her sister had passed at 36 years old suddenly mm-hmm. and so she, and they were all blindsided and had to scramble to to get her stuff in order. so that prompted her to start this this business. And so as we're doing the show, so I asked her, I was like, so like, what happened to you? What happened with your sister? Cause, cause I figured that would be a part of the branding right. and it was, and it wasn't. <laughs> so she ended up telling the story. And then once we, we got off the live, she, she was like, I've never shared that publicly before.
4: Oh, wow. And I was like, wow. "You
0: you absolutely should. <laughs> yeah, you know?
4: I mean, you kind of need to, if that's yeah. what encouraged you to start your company, then
0: yes, yes go yep. ahead and yeah. start <laughs> going back to the keeping things inside. I mean, that's, that's powerful. And that, that honors your sister.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I like mm-hmm.
0: like, she should be, be the, the face of that, of that company. So, right. you know, so, so, so by, by just having that organic conversation, that story was able to surface.
4: Yeah. That's awesome. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. Like I like everyone everyone that I've had on here has just been amazing. Everyone yes. I can, can honestly say there, there wasn't one where I was like, when is this gonna end?
4: So, <laughs> well that's although,
0: good. Although I've been on a couple where I felt like that. I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean,
4: you know, everybody's got different vibes and so it just yeah. kind of depends. But that's part of life is just like meeting people and learning how to engage with people on different levels. So yeah, I, I totally get it. Everybody's got some, some different vibes going on.
0: (laughs) All right. So give us some, give us some final words
4: oh goodness do you boo just like get out there and like do you because I mean here's the thing if you deny who you truly are you're going to be unhappy for life and you're not going to be able to like sprinkle the world with joy and you're not going to be able to like bring as much light and as much goodness as you could so feel how it feels to feel how it feels get inside of yourself Go to those spots that you sometimes don't want to, and just allow yourself to be authentically who you are and share it with the world.
0: Absolutely, and I, I know people think, think it sounds cliche ish, but it, it it's so so true. Just being being you is all you need to do. That's yeah. it. Like you don't need anybody's approval to be you. Yeah, and absolutely. and if you feel that you do, then they don't need to be in your circle.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just be who you are. And that's enough to change the world right there. Exactly. Just be who you are. And that's enough. And
0: so true. So true. Like me, people that listen, I, you know, I've, I've said this a hundred times, I've managed restaurants for 20 years and like, I I was good at it. You know, I got, got awards and promotions and all, all that happy stuff, but like, it it just, it wasn't me. You know, like yeah. I just, I just knew inside that I, I was meant for more like you. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be on stage. You know, when I was younger, like that's, that's the stuff I wanted to do. So coming yeah. full, coming full circle, doing stuff like this is spot on. You know, like and I've, I've been it. on, yeah, I've been on TV and you know with with Zoom now, I've been in multiple countries. So like I've spoken in Australia, in the UK, in Ireland. It, yeah, it's just, just amazing. It's like but i had to step away from that to step into what i was meant to do and absolutely. like that was the purpose of starting this is to help other people to do that
4: yeah i love it i mean everybody's got to find their own path and so here's to all of the listeners being able to find their own journey
0: yes absolutely all right so i have your website up up here on the page like like what can like how can people get in touch with you
4: uh, you can come to lindsayelmore.com. You can follow my food blog. It's called com. You can come and check out the podcast. It's the Lindsay Elmore Show, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Lindsay Elmore and on Pinterest and TikTok at, at Dr. That's D-R, Lindsay Elmore. All
0: right. Putting that stuff down in the chat. All right. So this was awesome. All right, thank so I'm gonna you. I'm gonna queue up the outro. Um don't don't sign off yet though. Okay. All right, thank you very very much for joining. See ya. All right, thanks. All right. so that was Dr. Lindsay Elmore. So if you if you tuned in late, I know I say this every show, go back and watch it from the beginning. Cause uh we dropped a whole lot of whole lot of good information in this last hour. And again, this is all for you. And just to double down on the doctor's final words were about being just be you. Be who the hell you are supposed to be, not who somebody else wants you to be. Be who you are supposed to be. If you have baggage in your past, just be upfront with it because then you can move on. right? If you've made mistakes, own the mistake. This is what I did. And I, I'm not that person anymore. And then move on from it. Because once you do that, a weight is going to lift from you. I promise you. Because I've had skeletons in my, my closet. You guys know I've aired them out on the show. You know, I owned it. It It, it is what it, what, what it is and I can move on from it now. So if you got to hold it on to stuff, let it out. Because again, the power lies in your story. So don't be afraid to tell it and don't be afraid to step into your greatness. All right. So this is episode 69. Signing off. Have a great day.
3: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.
1: Uh, Well, let's see, with the Spotify, I don't have that in front of me.
3: This industry, as well as secondary schools and universities, he has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to RobertBfoster.com slash speaks. On Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster. On Twitter at RBF underscore fitness. And on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.
0: off yet? Okay. All right. And so that was Dr. Jody. That was a great episode. Very, very informational. You know, we we, we throwing a little bit of comedy in there too. But uh, if if you're just now tuning in, I say this every show: go back to the beginning, spend the hour, and watch it all the way through. Said so if you can watch nonsense on TV for for an hour, take an hour and focus on you. If you're dealing with stress, feeling overwhelmed, anxious, depressed. Take the time and focus on you, because that's why we do this. It's all for you. So that's all I have for you. This was episode number 67 with Dr. Jody. Robert, take the banner off. There we go. (laughs) Now cue the outro. Have a great day, everyone.
3: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.